Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the New Testament epistle of James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My six-year-old has recently adopted a new role model. And this is really good news. I told you a few weeks ago that he was learning bad language. So he could use a good role model, and I suppose this one is good. The person he wants to be now when he grows up is Michael Jordan. So he has a Nike t-shirt, a new pair of sneakers, and a basketball bigger than his head. And that's all great. But having the right gear won't make him a basketball legend. To be a basketball legend, he'll have to take the advice of his Nike shirt and just do it. Because at some point, he has to pick up the ball and play. Because what we do matters. Gretchen Rubin agrees. You might have heard of Gretchen Rubin. She's the best-selling author of The Happiness Project. She has a podcast, and much of her work centers around habits. See, she believes from her own experience, too, that the habits we keep shape the quality of life we have. She notes that 40% of our behavior is repeated every single day. Imagine if that 40% were constructive habits and not destructive ones. Gretchen's personal mission is to encourage people around the world to pay attention to their habits because when you change your habits, you change your life. What we do matters. Our Old Testament reading today is from the book of Amos, and it was a little unfair to ask Jim to read this very, very rough 
passage. Uh, we might even call it misogynistic today. Amos, uh, Amos has a bit of an attitude about what we do and what we ought to be doing. Amos was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel just before Assyria conquered it in the 700s BC. He was a contemporary of the prophet Hosea. Now, prophets generally indict their audience on one of two accounts. Either the people are not loving God or they're not loving their neighbor. Sometimes they're not doing both. So Hosea warns the northern kingdom against improper worship. Israel is being unfaithful to God. And Amos warns the people against improper ethics. So in chapter 4, Amos speaks to the wealthy women who live just outside the capital city in an area called Bashan. These are the real housewives of Israel. They have everything they could want and more. And yet, they are terrible stewards of these blessings. They are mistreating the poor and oppressing the vulnerable, all while claiming to be faithful followers of God. And Amos isn't having it. Amos chapter 4 begins with these words, Hear this, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, who oppress the poor and crush the needy. And that word cow is insulting. It's insulting today. It was insulting back then too. But it's a clever metaphor because Bashan is an area known for its cattle, like Texas. But according to Amos, the people don't just raise prized cows they're the cows. They take more than their share, and they laugh in the face of need. Amos continues, bring your sacrifices, bring your tithes, brag about your offerings. Go to Gilgal. Now, that's a religious site. When you go to Gilgal, you're supposed to sacrifice, you're supposed to worship, but what do they do at Gilgal? No, they sin. And go to Bethel, another religious site, and sin more. Because right worship is meaningless if it's not backed by ethical action. These are people who say what they believe, but do not do what they believe. And what we do matters. In eighth grade, my claim to fame was finishing dead last at a track meet in the 800-meter race. I was so slow, there were people laughing when I finally crossed the finish line. And about a month later, I quit. I hung up my shoes, and I did not start running again until college. But once I started, I started to fall in love with it, and I began to run more, and I began to run more, and I was running five days a week. I worked up to half a marathon, and I started setting personal records. And for the first time in my life, I would really call myself a runner. And then my husband and I decided to start a family, and all that running went out the window a bit. Uh, I was six months pregnant, my back was starting to hurt, and so I waddled in to see a chiropractor. And I was hoping he could loosen things up. But 10 minutes into the visit, he asked me, are you a runner? And I laughed at him because my feet were too swollen to fit into my shoes. I hadn't been out in weeks, and yet he still knew. He says, your real problem isn't your back your hamstrings. And then he adjusted a whole part of my body that I didn't know needed attention. Because it turns out if you spend years running, your body will reflect it because what we do shapes us. In order to be a runner, you have to run. If you're not running, you're not a runner. 
To be a singer, you have to sing. To be a writer, you have to put pen to paper. To play the piano like Jeffrey Meeks, you have to practice hours and hours every week. To play the violin like Will Myers, you have to play the violin. If you want to be a manager, you have to practice influencing the behavior of others. You have to manage. If you want to be an inventor, you have to invent. To be a salesperson, you have to knock on doors. To be an engineer, you've got to do math. To be a pilot, you have to get out of the simulator and into the plane. And our faith life is no different than this. In order to hear God, we have to listen for God. To be generous, we have to give. To be humble, we have to practice doing without. Be careful what you pray for because God will give you an opportunity to practice it. And it's not because God's mean. It's just because that's how it works. We are shaped by the things we do. The chiropractor visit was years ago. And today, when someone asks my hobbies, I still say, oh, I like to run. And it's a lie. I want to be a person that likes to run. I want to be a person who actually does run. I want to believe that this is one of my persistent habits every week, but I'm not that person anymore. What I actually do is a lot less fun. I I drink coffee every morning. I play games on my phone every night. On the weekends, sometimes I shop the thrift stores for Kate Spade purses because in East Cobb, you never know what you'll find. I also spent a lot of time picking up my children's dirty socks. If picking up socks were a spiritual practice, I'd be as close to God as Mother Teresa. These are the things I do, and they're not all bad, but they're not running. Gretchen Rubin would say, these are my habits. These are the framework of my life. But because dirty socks don't make for a great Facebook post, what I do and what I tell people I do are often very different things. We can spend years of our lives playing this game. And maybe you have years living in denial of who we really are because who we are is grounded in what we do with our time and energy, intellect and resources. Our New Testament reading from James chapter 2 says it like this, faith without works is dead. Dead. What we, when we say what we believe, but don't do what we believe, the words carry no weight. I was once teaching a Sunday school class and I had them listen to three versions of Amazing Grace. And then I asked what I thought was a hypothetical question, which version is best? They voted against Beyonce and the rock band Dropkick Murphys. Instead, they unanimously agreed that Merle Haggard's version was the best. And I couldn't understand it. Merle Haggard's not my style. I said, why Merle Haggard? They said, well, Merle knows what amazing grace means. His song felt authentic, and that authenticity mattered. And it matters for us, too. Now, it's not about the works. 
we know that it's not about the works. We can't work our way into righteousness. This is one of the foundations of the Reformation is by faith alone in Christ that we are justified, that we are saved. The Apostle Paul writes that essentially in Galatians and in Romans, we are justified by our faith in Jesus. Martin Luther was pulling from Paul when he, he came up with those pillars of the Reformation, solo fide. Martin Luther didn't like the book of James for this particular reason, because James doesn't really completely agree. At the very least, he wants to nuance Paul. He's the kid in the, in the class that raises his hand and says, but there's another way of looking at this. And the way that James looks at it is that the works bear witness to our faith. So they are important. Now, if Martin Luther has a problem with James, he also has a problem with Jesus because Jesus described it this way. Every good tree produces good fruit. The tree and the fruit go hand in hand. If a bad tree dresses like a good tree, so what? It's still a bad tree and its fruit is still bad. James warns against this the blatant denial of the gospel we claim. James is concerned about Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyles. That's a quote from the Ragmuffin Gospel. James is concerned that we not be those kinds of Christians. Now, the people in Amos' day were bad trees dressed like good trees. They were not producing good fruit. They were saying the right things and doing the wrong ones. The lesson from Amos is a bit offensive. It's don't be a cow. Love your neighbor. Take care of those in need. Recognize the opportunities that God has sent your way to practice your faith. And we practice in response to God's great love for us. See, worship is not just something we do for an hour on Sunday mornings. We continue to worship when we walk out the doors of the sanctuary and into the world. Out there, we continue to worship God with our hands and our feet, our head and our heart, with all of our lives. All this talk about running inspired me this week. I told my husband, I'm going to start running again. He looked at me, and then he looked at the door and said, go run. Don't talk about it, just do it. And that's right. If you want to be a kind of person who prays, pray. If you want to be a person who reads the Bible, read it. If you want to be a person who helps others, help. If you want to be a person who's generous, give. If you want to be a person who's patient, I have a six-year-old for you. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And being a disciple means practicing a discipline, even if you're bad at it. So I was not a runner in middle school. was not a runner. I had a crush on a guy named Josh who was on the track team, and that's why I joined. So my heart was really not in the training Running takes practice, and if I want to start running again, I've got to practice, and it will be hard work, and it will be painful some days. But what I know from experience is that once I get that habit down, the blessings of physical fitness will follow, because physical training 
shapes our bodies, and spiritual training shapes our souls. If we say we are Christians, but we do not live as Christ calls us, we are like that kid in the basketball outfit who never plays the game. We're like a would-be runner with a fancy pair of sneakers that we've never actually worn. But when our actions bear witness to our faith, then we enjoy the full blessing of what God has in store. We no longer live in denial, claiming one thing but doing another. We live with integrity, authenticity, faithful in word and in deed. May we live this way now and always. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.